You're listening to Your Jewish Life, Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2021. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life, your way, with easy ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about without having to compromise life's everyday hustle. So save your fetching because we are talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. I have got such a fun episode for you today, all about not just Jewish food, which obviously you're expecting to hear about with my guest, Amy Becker. She's the founder of the award-winning cooking blog, What Do You Want to Eat? And I love her millennial twists on traditional Jewish food, like her. you may remember her fried pickle latkes from last year and her pumpkin fig regalach. She's just so creative. But we also talk, talked a lot about living your Jewish life your way and ways that you can be, you know, the same Jew, more you, you Jew, you, you know, um, we really talked about how we've both done that and lots of ideas for, for you to live your Jewish life your way. And I think you'll feel so inspired and full of zest after this episode. Um, and make sure that you drop me a DM on Instagram at Jewish life and let me know which bit you loved or even better, take a screenshot while you're listening Pop it on your Instagram stories, tag your Jewish life, tag Amy at what you want to eat and let us know what you enjoyed most about the episode because it is such a fun one. I can't wait to hear what you think. Um, Amy is an absolute superstar. She's um, inside our Smashing Life community. She's a member of Smashing Life, which if you don't know, is my community membership club for Jewish and Jewish women. As I say, she's the founder of an award-winning cooking blog, What Do You Want to Eat? She is author of the cookbook, Sweet Noshings, which I'm lucky enough to have a copy. It's fabulous. And she's also the co-owner of the cool online Judaica store, Modern Tribe. She's an absolute superstar. I think you're going to love this episode. Let's dive in. Hey, Amy. So good to see you today. Um, You're in Puerto Rico, is that right? Si, yes, I am, Karen watching the ocean as we speak here. <laughs> oh, fa- fantastic. I'm so excited that you're my first ever podcast guest. This is historical <laughs> and um, I couldn't think of anyone better. You're an absolute legend on Instagram, TikTok, um, you know, the food world. This is so exciting. So I'm excited to get to know you even better than I already do today, hopefully. <laughs> Great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited yeah. to be the inaugural guest here. (laughs) (laughs) We've got to dive right in and talk about Jewish food. Um, I mean, on our Instagram account, which is all about Jewish life, I'd say most of it is about Jewish food. (laughs) Why is food such a big one for us? I mean, I think food, if you think about any Jewish celebration or even a shiva, (laughs) there is food. There's always food. The Hanukkah, you have latkes or sufganiyot. Passover, you have matzo ball soup. And just the smells of the food bring back holidays. And I think they just are so familiar for people and so comforting. And for a lot of people that that is a big part about being Jewish are these recipes and familiar scents that bring you back to your childhood and connect you to your ancestors too. So I think food is really fun and doesn't have to be taken so seriously, but it, it is also 
very reminiscent of our Jewish ancestors and very important at the same time. So I think it's a it's an easy gateway into Judaism. You know, if, if you're looking to get more into your Jewish life, starting with food cannot hurt. <laughs> That's what I love about it. You know, you can bake a challah and you feel so Jewish and so fabulous. And it's also, I suppose, connected to our culture, warm and homely and inviting. And I think we all know, you know, growing up Jewish that if you go to a Jewish home you'll be served some food you know it's it's in our it's in our DNA um, oh, yeah and a lot of food I used to when I was a private chef a lot a few years back I cooked for this family that would always say you know we're having six people but cook for 12. You know, they did not want it to look like someone was going to take the last thing you know or they wanted everyone to make sure they had plenty of what they wanted so I think that, that really kind of stuck in my brain I remember that tidbit for a long time <laughs> and I have to say it reminds me of when I went to my first non-Jewish wedding as an adult and I was like what that's it that's that's all the canapes <laughs> they've served we just have to drink wine for like two hours till dinner where's the food <laughs> so let's talk about let's start from the beginning I want to hear about your life growing up was it a, you know did you did you did Judaism play a a role in your in your life growing up um let's start at the beginning sure i grew up i lived in connecticut in a few different towns but the town i mostly grew up in was a very jewish town that i kind of took for granted growing up so i went to public school but we got jewish holidays off because there were so many people students and teachers that would not be there on the jewish holidays and that just seemed very normal to me of course we're going to get rosh hashanah off and christmas off um and then you know i went to synagogue growing up, um, but a reform synagogue, we mostly went on high holidays and um, bat mitzvah season was the season. I probably went to 50 bar and bat mitzvahs that year I was 13. It was the peak of my social life and it's been downhill yeah. since there. Uh, <laughs> I went to Jewish summer camp in Massachusetts. So I grew up doing a lot of Jewish things, but to me, these were just normal things. I didn't even really think of it as Jewish until I got older. This was just you know, you know, kind of when you're younger, the way you're raised is how you assume everyone's raised. And then you grow up and you're like, what do you mean you don't Absolutely. have dinner with your family every night? You're like, what? Like, <laughs> and then you realize everyone grew up differently. So these are just kind of normal things to me at the time. And then when I went to college in Georgia, which is you know far away from Connecticut, I couldn't get home for every Jewish holiday. And it was a much larger mix of people. I met people who had never met Jews before. And that was really like interesting to me. And at the same time, I hadn't met people like them before, you know, they took me to NASCAR and then <laughs> I took them to Passover Seder. So it was a good, a good exchange. Um, so that kind of got me thinking like, oh, these are traditions that are unique to maybe my family and people like me, and it would be fun to share them with other people. So that kind of got my, my taste of sharing Judaism with others. And eventually I started my blog years later, but I think that was where it all started. Um, one Passover, when I couldn't go back to Connecticut, I decided to host and we had about 30 people in my dorm and everyone got a bottle of Manischewitz and I, I wrote a Haggadah, tried to make it like funny. And it was probably maybe half Jews, half not. And I just, I loved it. And um, it really brought me closer to all my friends that I had known for a year at the time. Um, so that really was kind of a, a changing point for me. I loved that. Your experience of kind of, you know, you had a very Jewish and in inverted commas childhood surround, you know, Jewish community, you know, lots of lots of Jewish friends. And then when you, you know, moved up, moved away from that, you actually shared your Jewish culture with your non-Jewish friends to, uh, to sort of br brought them in. Is that what you're saying? Like when you had the Seder? Yeah, or was it exactly. still very, it wasn't separate, like we're the Jewish people and 
um, it, it, with the Jewish. I don't know. For me, it was yeah. like you know, I had, I had gone to people's Christmases before, and I had gone with them Easter egg hunting, and it wasn't like something I wanted to do myself. It was like, oh, these are your traditions. Thanks for sharing them with me, and here's my traditions. I'll share them with you now. Yeah. So it wasn't, that, you know, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. It was kind of like here's something cool I do, and here's something cool you do, and you know, my yeah. friends shared right back. So, and it was just kind of ironic that after college, I moved to New York City, which has a lot of Jews. And then I kind of re re reversed a little bit because when you're just surrounded by so many people that are like you, you're like, no, it's, we just eat yeah. bagels. It's like kind of <laughs> enough. <laughs> but then when I was around people that weren't familiar with the customs as much, I wanted to share and teach and, um, you know, experience these things together more. So I thought that was kind of something ironic that I didn't realize until later, but made, made a lot of sense to me looking that's back. Really, yeah, that's really interesting. Sometimes um, we, um, when we're in an, an environment only when, you know, let's say when you're at college, you kind of feel even more Jewish and you wanted to share share that with your non-Jewish new friends that you're meeting. And I think that is such a lovely lesson for us all to learn. Sometimes we think if we're in an environment where maybe there aren't many other Jews that we just have to kind of, you know, do Friday night dinner with the one Jew we know. But it is, tell me about the experience of, of sharing Friday night dinner with non-Jewish people. Because I, I personally get such a buzz out of it, don't you? Yeah, it's my favorite thing to do. So it's actually, after I lived in New York, I moved to Texas and that's where I started my blog. And it was kind of a similar journey. I was gonna start a baking blog. And then my brother had the idea um, to start a Jewish food blog. And he said, you know, ask your friends in Texas if they know what a knish is. And you know, I grew up very Ashkenazi, New York, family from New York. So I, you know, I was like, oh, they've never heard of that. That, that this would be fun to share again. Um, and then when I moved to Puerto Rico, we, you know, had, I wanted to have Passover Seder here. So I invited all my new friends here that had never been before, um, which was funny because one of the couples, they had never even, they weren't familiar with Passover Seder at all. So they Googled it. And on Wikipedia, it describes a much more observant way of doing Passover Seder than I do it. So they were expecting like, a two hour long, you know, <laughs> Seder, and then they wouldn't eat till the end. So like they, they had like cheeseburgers before they came because they weren't sure what they were going to eat. I love and I was that. Like, oh my God. And they came over and we had like sushi that we had made prepared. Like it was oh. very, you know, not traditional yeah. um, in that sense. So that was really fun. I was like, oh, I should have warned you. Like, don't look on Wikipedia. This is mine. This is like, that's oh, a party. That. We, you know, my Seder is like, 20 minutes long but we do have the four glasses of wine so it was yeah <laughs> it was well, different uh, but it's fun I think he, I think it's actually makes you kind of think about things you don't normally think about when you go through the motions with your own family you're like all right that's what we do every year and then when you bring in someone new they're like well why did you why do we do this and then you're like oh I never thought about this or I hadn't thought about this in a while um this is like it kind of sparks new discussion so I think and that kind of message you can translate to almost anything not just Jewish yeah, absolutely. You know, but yeah, it's like having people who aren't as familiar and teaching them, you, they ask really great questions too. So it's, to me, it's just, it's super fun. And uh, later on, I want to talk about some of the sort of really big things you've done during the pandemic, which has kind of taken what you've just said to a whole new scale with massive virtual seders for all sorts of people you don't know. Yeah. But stick, sticking with where we are for a moment, um, when you talked about, you know, sushi at your seder, some people would say, can you do that? You know, a lot of the questions that I get, are, is it okay to do X? Is it okay to do Y? Can you tell me a little bit about what your Jewish life, your way means to you? Sure. I, I mean, I think you can do really anything. Like I, I personally don't keep kosher. I rarely go to synagogue. These are not the ways that 
are meaningful to me to be Jewish, but like, I love wearing Jewish jewelry and wearing our twin oh. earrings today. I can't say, yeah. Love it, love <laughs> um, it. I, you know, and I love hosting for Jewish holidays and making new Jewish recipes and connecting with people online. And like, for me, that's, that's enough. And, you know, people always ask me if, you know, of a mezuzah, do I have to have a kosher scroll? I'm like, you can do whatever you want. Like, I, like you can print something off, you can write Shema by yourself. I don't, I don't care. I just, like, whatever is, means something to you, I think is, is enough. So yeah. I think people kind of, if you get caught up in, you know, am I doing this right? Or did I have the right number of this? Or the, did I do this at the right time? Then I think you're, you're losing the meaning a little bit. If you're, you're worrying about the specifics more than just the well, intention. It drains, it drains the joy out of it. And I right. think and you it's and stressful. I- It's so stressful. Don't stress. Yeah. People with, you know, we had, you had brought up the satyrs during the pandemic and like people were like, oh, I don't have, you know, I can't find horseradish. I'm like, that's not, who cares? Like, get, you know, get something else that's spicy or, you know, or some wasabi on there, whatever you want. And that's horse trash basically. So, you know, just do, do what you can and not even just during a pandemic and do it with meaning and it'll, it'll work out. And, 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 and something that sparks joy, you know, I think that's what we, we both connect about. We are all about Jewish joy, you know, take one look at um, Amy's Instagram feed. What do you mm -hmm. want to eat? It is an explosion of color and fun and, puns and just a good time and I think we forget sometimes that we don't have to be all about Jewish trauma and Jewish guilt we are allowed to have a good time being Jewish. I know I do that with with my blog and my store I both like, I think like a lot of Jewish stuff is like dark colors and we've had a lot of oppression but you know I think I, I'm more about the celebratory and you know of course recognizing the experiences of our past but also just that we have a lot to celebrate and there's a lot of fun in being Jewish and I think you know sharing it with other people then Judaism is less like weird and scary. They're like, oh, this is a fun, awesome religion. These people are great. Like, why are, you know, why is there other anti-Semitism? I love Jews. So. And in fact, speaking of sort of color and fun, um, obviously I'd heard of Amy ever since I started Smashing the Glass way back in 2013, but we only connected and built a friendship through Amy getting engaged. And obviously her engagement photo on Instagram <laughs> or just proposed photo was kind of caught my eye um, as, oh, yeah, I was wearing the, the shirt. <laughs> you wearing the oh, no, shirt? I was, actually, no, wait, I was wearing a different rainbow shirt. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to link to that Instagram post in the show notes, but um, it was just colorful and fun. And it was just, it was like, wow, I have to, I have to invite Amy into my bride's club. Uh -huh. I need to, we need to kind of be part of her wedding plans. And oh, yeah. we just connected straight away and we've been- Yeah, um, well, I'd, I had stalked your, your blog before, but then, you know, I wasn't engaged yet. So that's, yeah, you know, you don't want to be normal. too, too uh, obvious. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. People, know, normal, people sure, normally but, stop. People normally start falling yeah. smashing the glass about two years before they, they actually get engaged. <laughs> but um, no, we, we, and we- I, just... I was watching it before I even met my husband. So <laughs> yeah, like, pretty normal. So fun. Yeah. Pretty standard. Um, we, we, um, and Amy and I, we're not just internet friends. We've actually met in real life uh, in New yeah. York. And uh, we, we're just, I'm just so grateful you got engaged. So we could- oh, me, me too. And my mom is too. <laughs> um, we'll talk about your wedding in a bit. I want to hear about that, but I just, okay. let's talk, let's, and I also want to hear some of those but mitzvah stories that you talked about, 50 but mitzvahs, there's got to be some great stories there. Okay. Um, it reminds me of that um, film, 50 First Dates, 50 but mitzvahs, there's got to be a ton, there's got to be oh, a film that in there. should be a new movie, I love that idea. <laughs> but let's, I know a lot of people want to, you know, hear more about the food, seeing as I'm interviewing uh, you. So let's, let's start off with um, just some, 
I, another question I get asked a lot, and I don't know why I get asked this because I am not the Jewish food aficionado. I always tag you in those in these sort of comments. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Give me. I, I'd love. I'd love to hear five Jewish foods that you know us busy 20, 30, 40 year old women should learn to cook, and why? In your opinion. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a tricky question because depending on your Jewish background, like I grew up very Ashkenazi, so there's recipes that are more familiar to me. Since I've started my food blog, I've explored all the different types of Jewish food and I love all of them. So it's really fun and it's hard to pick five just out of those. Um, and it, also when I'm showing people how to cook, especially people that haven't cooked before, who are just very intimidated to hold a knife, they've never made themselves like, you know, any kind of dinner. I really kind of start back with techniques, which I think can help you with the recipes too. So things like for me, making matzo ball soup. If you know how to make a broth and you can make chicken broth, you can use that in so many recipes. You can use that to make sauces. It'll, that the broth and stock will add so much flavor to your other recipes. Plus I just love matzo ball soup. So I think learning how to make a stock and then using it for matzo ball soup is a great technique to have. Um, one of my favorite things to make is brisket. Also when I lived in Texas, brisket is king there. So, but there they would always have it smoked. So the first time I served actually at Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving, whatever you called it. Oh no, that was the Hanukkah Thanksgiving. No, this was a this was that Thanksgiving. I made a Jewish kind of Thanksgiving brisket. It was braised in coffee and whiskey with cranberries. Um, but it was so great. Wait, 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 wait. This yeah. is when Thanksgiving and Hanukkah actually fell on the same day, or you just made it a thing? Yes. This was no, this was when they fell on the same day, but also I would make brisket for Thanksgiving anyway. Yeah. Um, we have when I lived in Texas, we'd have 30 people over for Thanksgiving, all our I call them our, our vagabond friends, people with nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. So it was but I just always a, a party. Pause right there, because again, that's another nugget that Thanksgiving occur. Like people think, am I allowed, you know, again, a lot of permission questions. Can we do Christmas, Hanukkah, Thanksgiving, you know, you make it your own and fuse oh, yeah. just like Amy does. And Christmas, uh, people go go all, all big for that. I'm told, I think that's totally, totally kosher, if you will. It's you know, if you, if you, if your significant other celebrates Christmas, you celebrate Hanukkah, you can, you can do something together. I don't think that's, you know, making less of either one of those special events, just as long as it brings meaning to you. And then you make your own traditions too. Um, you know, someone once asked me, they grew up without a religion and they grew up in the, you know, in a, a small town in the Midwest without any specific regional food. And they felt like they had no, they didn't have anything. They're like, what is my food? And I said, there's, surely there's something like, is there something, you know, that reminds you of your childhood or, or, you know, something. And they came down to this casserole that their grandmother used to make. And I was like, that, that's your culture. You can, you can have this casserole as your culture. It doesn't have to be something like profound um, necessarily, but Absolutely. anyway, back, back to the food. Um, so brisket is something I love to teach how to make too, because it's so easy to prep. And then it just becomes this magic. So learning how to braise is another great technique. So with briskets, it's tough cut of meat. You brown it to add flavor and then just cook it low and slow in a liquid for hours. And then it comes out with this tender, delicious food and you hardly have to do anything to it. So I love, I'm embarrassed I think that's say, the kind of magic. I've yeah. never made brisket myself because I think it's a scary thing. Am I good that completely wrong? It's not wrong? scary, we, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally not scary. You can't mess it up, honestly. Like it's I, like you could just honestly, take brisket, dump a bottle of wine on it, you know, seasoning, cook it for three hours on the stovetop. It'll, that'll be good. And I'll look like a professional <laughs> chef. Yeah, you can hardly mess it up. So brisket, is, I love. Um, Kala, I think is, that can be intimidating too because of yeast. Um, but I think once you get the, it's tricky too. Like when I 
when I make challah here in Puerto Rico, it's super humid. You can see my hair. I have to always add more flour. Um, it tends to rise a little faster. So you kind of have to learn what the challah is supposed to feel like. It's like a dance. It's romantic. You know, you're touching the challah. What is it? What is it supposed to touch? Feel like? You know. <laughs> so it's, it's. I think it's the kind of thing you have to make a few times to to figure out. But um, you know, worst case, you have a, a dry challah or something. Make make French toast. So I think that's something I like to emphasize too is that it's just food you know people are very intimidated to cook especially for a major holiday and you know of course you want your food to be delicious but you know you're gonna start somewhere you gotta give it one shot yeah, it'll be better the exactly. second exactly it's and if, it, if it like if really if you burn the whole thing just like order pizza it's fine mm -hmm. you know and everyone's gonna have a good time and they're just there for the company and you'll do it again next year it's, it's totally fine and what um, i love about color is is the way you can personalize it for literally yeah any theme, any holiday. It's like the new chuppah. You can, you can make it your I own. I love it. Fresh I know, I love the different braids people do too. Did you like see that? Did you, did you see, excuse the pun, the way it rose kind of during, during lockdown, like this, this rise. Yes, yes. I had so many more questions about challah than I ever had before. People making it for the first time, um, which I think makes sense because a lot of people were working from home. So, you know, you need to be home for a few hours on a Friday to make challah. So, and it's, I think it's very comforting too. And there's, something, you know, I, I think we talked about this on one of our other chats that during the, the peak of the pandemic, every day kind of felt the same and it was a little, you know, discouraging and stressful and we didn't, un, there was a lot of unknown. And I think even if you weren't someone who normally participated in Shabbat, there's this nice thing that you're like, all right, this is Friday, I'm gonna relax. I'm, it's separate from the rest of the week, so I'm gonna make this challah. You know, it feels different. So I think that kind of helps not every day and every moment feel the same when you're, you know, in the middle yeah. of the pandemic. <laughs> and what else say, we actually did a um, Shabbat masterclass yesterday inside Smashing Life, our our community membership for Jewish women, which Amy is a wonderful member of as well. Yeah, and absolutely. one of the things that came up was one of our members was saying, she, um, she actually uh, works as a vet and she works all weekend and Fridays and her weekend is actually Tuesday and Thursday. And how is she supposed to incorporate Shabbat? And we said, you can make choose a day that's your Shabbat. It can be Tuesday. I, I bet you there's someone yeah. else in Smashing Alive who's also mm. got the same problem, and you can both be kind of Shabbat partners on Tuesday. So, yeah, for anyone who's listening and thinking, "Oh, I'd love to make challah, I don't have time," if you want to, you can you can make it again. Do it your way. What is going to spark joy for you with that with that challah making on a Tuesday? Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've done challah, brisket, matzo ball soup. Did I miss the fourth one? Um, I don't know. I, I could I could name ten. So I'll keep going. <laughs> keep um, going. I would definitely say I, I would say latkes. Latkes are one of my favorite things to make. Um, you can also get kind of creative with the toppings, but really it's hard to beat a classic. And I've I've made latkes so many times that I have a lot of like little little teeny tick tricks in that kind of make. I think make the best latkes, and I've had a lot of people that made my latkes that said they're the first time they made them and they came out well. So I'll I'll take that as. Well, go a good, on, you know, a good response. Yeah, I mean, so, your best latke tips. Um, so pro probably the best one um, is adding some potato starch, and that helps crisp up the latkes more. And I do that by soaking the shredded potatoes in some ice water, and that draws out the starch already in the potato. And then you dry off the potatoes really well, drain off the water, and then on the bottom is this white milky kind of starch that you add back to the latkes. And that helps them be like super creamy on the inside, crispy on the outside. I think that's 
that's the key. Um, but there's so there's so many tricks. Like you want to make sure you have enough oil. You want to make sure that the um, heat is high enough. I like to add a little piece of carrot while I'm frying because that helps. Somehow it's like magic, probably science, but it soaks <laughs> up all the little burn bits that kind of can flake off and then stay in the oil and burn over time. It soaks those up so they stay away from your latkes. Um, make sure to salt them after you fry them. Cool them on a cooling rack, not just like put them on the plate. So they'll stay crispy on both sides. There, it's such a simple food, but there's a lot of different techniques involved. And I've um, seen, so I've, yeah, I've seen Amy make those latkes firsthand last Hanukkah. She did a a brilliant. Um, what did we call it? A latka cook-off or something at Hanukkah? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember was, the name. I was, was going to say latka palooza, but that doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It was that. something fun where she was kind of teaching live, and our members were making them at the same time. And it yeah. was it was great fun. And again, another really good recipe to do if you've never made some Jewish food before. Grate some potatoes, a little bit of oil. Um, we'll, we'll you make... don't have to wait until Hanukkah. Do not have to you know, <laughs> make, make them now. <laughs> and also all these recipes that Amy's mentioned, recipes or foods, um, they can all be in this day and age in 2021, the year we're recording, um, kind of tailored to different types of Judaism. So for instance, I've seen Asian chalas, I've seen multicultural latkes. I'm sure you've seen it all too. Um, oh yeah, people get so creative and I, I love to add twists on to Jewish recipes too. So, you know, some things like matzo ball soup, it's like, I always love the classic, but then I've made like, you know, matzo ball, what did I do one? Oh, this like, you know, Greek like lemon rice soup with matzo balls in it. And that was really great. So you can, you can get creative and you know and try and new us, things and go back to the classics too and tell us about your viral um latkes from last year that oh, yeah, everyone yeah. went mad for these are the fried pickle latkes it's so funny when you when sometimes they do a recipe and you're like this one's gonna be so great and then like no one makes it and then like i, I knew people were gonna like the fried pickle latkes but i just didn't know it was gonna get so much press yeah um, so funny. many different people made it like hundreds of people made them and at least people that tagged me in it and it was on Good Morning America on their website and all, all kinds of stuff. So it was it was super cool. And um, I love pickles. Pickles are also very Jewish. So I think maybe that so, kind of played a, a key in it. But it was a basically it was a piece of a pickle stuffed into laka and fried and served with an everything bagel ranch. And they're they're off. Awesome. <laughs> so tell me, um, as a as a Jewish food influencer, um, and you know you're getting tagged. You have to think up a recipes. Our holidays kind of stressful and busy for you more than anyone else or how do you how do you balance like having making the whole well, day really, yourself? it's really big. so before usually it's like two months or even more before the holiday is when I'm coming up with the recipes um sometimes even sooner than that like I've already done some for Hanukkah and we're recording this in July so um you know I do that really far ahead for my store Modern Tribe we order products three months ahead of time so then when it gets closer to the holidays, people are asking me more questions. You know, with Modern Tribe, we're shipping a lot more products. And then by the time it's the holiday, you know, it's it's mostly, it's okay. I get, I get to celebrate and, and do things, you know, my way too. So it's, you know, it's it's busy, but I like to be busy. It's, you know, I'm not going to say yeah. it's calm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, work, it works, yeah. I agree with you. I think we almost get extra hype and extra fun because we've got this, this yeah. great online community that it's, it's very, very uplifting, I find. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite Jewish holiday and why? Yes, mine is, I mean, I love it all the holidays. Every I love every holiday. I love holidays. So I love celebrating. But Passover is my favorite, which I think some people are surprised to hear as a food person. And Passover food it like doesn't have the best reputation. But I love Passover food, and I love the challenge of getting creative with the limitations of Passover. So I think, to me, that's really fun. And I love the Seder. I, just, I love 
all the, the symbolism and all the different um, kind of steps we take for the, the Seder and just like the prep and making your table pretty. And uh, Seder is something that kind of started me on my Jewish hosting journey back in college. And I posted, I don't think I've had Seder with my own family. I don't even, maybe once in the past, like 15 years. So I did, and I said it, people were like, oh, Why is oh that? no, Why I is love that? it. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? I could not live near them and um, I don't know, like I was, let's see, I was in Texas, I was in California, now I'm in Puerto yeah. Rico. It's, it's I, I could fly, I guess. And I've gone back like maybe two years over the past years, but I love hosting and I love, you know, when I left Texas, my friends were like, well, where are we going to do Seder? And I was like, you're not Jewish. Like, you don't have to do it. <laughs> like, no, we love it. <laughs> I'm so, like, I don't know, maybe someone will, someone will do it. But it's, I, I love doing, I love hosting and sharing with other people. So. I love that. And um, tell us, I mentioned it earlier, tell us about what inspired you to do this big virtual Seder um, and how did that go? Because there's there's a lot of room for error with virtual. Yeah, I just, so I've done two virtual Seders now, with, uh, now that we've had two Passovers during this pandemic. So the first one, I think, so we realized it was like just going to be, you know, this Passover the first time was like kind of close to the lockdown. So we're like, all right, we're gonna have to do Passover, just the two of us. And I feel like people were, I heard people commenting they're going to be alone or for the first year, they're, you know, just going to have them and their significant other, or their kids, and they've never hosted before. They had a lot of questions and I'm happy to answer questions. And then I, I don't even know where it came from. I was like, oh, it would be really fun to do this virtually. So last year we did my husband and I here, and then we Zoomed with my mom and her boyfriend in Connecticut and my grandma called in. So and we just kind of did our normal Seder and then people watched. And I just, we had, I think close to a thousand people watching and uh, it just had really great reactions. This year we had a little technical difficulty and the, the, the Zoom trying to connect to my mom did not work. So it was just me and my husband, but I think, I think it was still good. And I think I might be done. I don't know. Well, I say, I say. Hopefully next year we'll be able to have 20 people over. Um, but it's, it's, it's been, both of the years were fun and people, you know, it was similar. I was like, you can, you know, you can have your own Seder plate or not. You can follow along with us with the matzah and the candles and everything, or just watch, like whatever, whatever you want to do. You can watch the replay, whatever works for you. Everything I'm hearing is just so much about you reaching out to bring people into Judaism in their small way, in a big way. And I absolutely love that. And I hope if you're listening, you're inspired from this episode to do the same. Reach out to someone your way. There's no right way to be Jewish. I say that all the time. There really isn't a right way to be Jewish. Make it yours and take inspiration from for Amy. I mean, to have reached out to thousands to do a virtual Seder. There's so many reasons not to do it and you chose to do it with all the technical difficulties yeah. and the, and uh, I'm sure you impacted so many people. And on that note, um, you know, you mentioned, obviously I know very well, Amy's not just the queen of Jewish food with what do you want to eat. She also has a cookbook as well, which we're gonna link to in the show notes. Um, I'm lucky enough to have my own copy. It's a great cookbook. Mm -hmm. She's also the founder, well, not the founder, but you own Modern Tribe. I, I yeah. want to hear about mm -hmm. that story, which is an amazing Judaica. We need a new word for Judaica. I can't bear that word. It makes me I think of like Jew old, Jewish crumbly, gift. yeah, Jewish gift. I know, we say Jewish gift. I mean, Juda Judaica is good for SEO. <laughs> yeah, Judaica Jew is- Jewish gifts is what I usually say. Um, and it's this awesome online store where you can buy anything and everything that's for your Jew Jewish style, whether it's something funny and silly, whether it's a something uh, for $5 or a stunning, you know, 
five six hundred dollar piece of Judaica and everything in between and you know you've got these big platforms the the, the and and the Instagram and the book I want to know what it's like being being Jewish on a public platform you know do you get do you get any hate do you get more love um and also having the platform has it encouraged you to be more openly and unapologetically Jewish or, or are you always that way I think, you know, anytime you're going to have a public persona, you're going to, you know, no matter what your, your topic is, you're going to get haters. And I, I would say I get like way, 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 way more positive feedback than haters. I hardly honestly get any negative feedback either, you know, just in general. Like I, I have friends who have Instagram accounts that get, you know, people talk about their looks and people talk about, you know, what they did. And they're like, you know, I, I get, I have very, very positive in like emails in my in my inbox and on my Instagram DMs so over overwhelmingly it's, it's very positive and then sometimes there's some spammers or bots I don't even think they're all real people I just delete and then and then move on it's you know they're I don't I don't really dwell on it so and and how has your has your platform encouraged you to be openly and unapologetically Jewish and you know yeah, I guess I don't, I don't part know part of who you are yeah I guess now I'm more you know publicly I guess but I, I think it's always been who I am and I don't I've always been exactly who I am which I think is, is a blessing that you know that's not been a struggle for me and it's maybe you know I'm colorful and I like glitter and I'm a little a little quirky but it's it's just you know people ask like starting their own brand or social media account like what they can do and I'm like just just be yourself and do your do what you normally do and then it's easy it's so much harder to try to be someone else so and if I, people I, don't like you then screw that <laughs> yeah I don't think you can grow the way you've grown if you're not unapolog unapologetically yourself or authentic because you attract your yeah. tribe and the people that are not into you great they can go somewhere else but you you know you build a str these strong ties with 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 like-minded people that also you know want to be in your world and and, yeah. and I think it's it's the only way really to be um yeah and I think too it's like I'm not I'm not trying to represent anyone else specifically it's just these are like my opinions this is me I'm not representing every single Jewish person so then it's like it's much easier when you're just like here's here's what I think about this or you know I think yes. definitely in the last few years I've gone from posting more like exclusively food to more about social issues which I think is a very Jewish thing too to care about social justice um but it, as you know at the end it's all just me in my life so if that doesn't resonate with someone then unfollow bye I don't care like I, I don't care but I don't really don't care how many followers I have it's like yeah. I, as long as they're they're you know engaging and you know I have, I have great followers that comment and engage and that's more important to me than having like a million followers although Absolutely. I would take a million followers I don't even know if I have time I barely have time <laughs> to reply to DMs as it is yeah. I honestly don't think I would have time to have the same kind of engaging conversations and you know I, I reply to pretty much everyone so I, I don't think I'd be able to do that with more followers so it's it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> now, speaking of you and authenticity and glitter and rainbows, reminded me of your mm -hmm. wedding. I want to hear about your <laughs> wedding, which we'll link to in the show notes. It's on Smashing the Glass, obviously. Um, Amy was a bridesmaid member, and we, we followed her wedding plans avidly and then featured her wedding. And, and then I want to hear about your bat mitzvah too. But let, let's start oh, with the all wedding. My, all my favorite things are wedding <laughs> uh, almost two years ago now. Um, so we, I met my husband when I was living in San Francisco. So I lived in, lived in Texas. That's where I started my blog. I lived there for seven years. I kind of ran, ran out of men to date. I needed a new, a new state. So I moved to California where my brother was living and he owns Modern Tribe with me. So I moved there to kind of work on Modern Tribe with him and just have a, a change of scenery. 
And within six months, I met my husband. And within six months after that, he got a job opportunity in Puerto Rico and said, do you want to move to Puerto Rico with me? And I said, yes. And then six months later in Puerto Rico, he proposed to me. I love ocean. that. Yeah. Oh my God. Love a love story. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. Actually, maybe that was like eight months later, but anyway, not too long later. And then, so this was May, two years ago, May of 2019. And we decided to get married in Michigan, which is where he's from. Since it was easy. My family's a little more all over and it was easy for all them, all of them to get to Michigan. And we, you know, we were like, all right, we either get married soon or we have to wait a year um, because we don't want to get married when it's cold. We were worried about weather delays and that kind of thing, which ended up being a huge blessing because it would have been a Corona wedding if we had waited a year. So we got married four months later, um, which if anyone's planning a wedding, it sounds like a lot of time, but it's really not that much time because a lot of vendors get booked, wedding dresses you have to get, you know, sometimes four months in advance. So I didn't really think about that. I kind of thought about all the things, you know, I wasn't worried about vendors that were booked. I'm like, all right, who are the vendors that are not booked? So I just started, you know, we picked a location and from there just kind of booked everything. And I knew I wanted a colorful dress. Um, so I, I looked at some wedding websites and like, there, I think there's some, some more colorful ones even now than there were two years ago, but there weren't that many. I thought about maybe getting a veil with some color or adding color somehow with like some tool layers, but I know, it's like a really fine line when doing a colorful wedding of it looking cheesy. Maybe some people think my wedding does look cheesy, but I don't think it does. It's not cheesy <laughs> but, at yeah, all. It, it, thank you, thank you. But it's like when you're doing, when you do have like a white wedding or a blush wedding, it's like almost always going to look classy. But if you're, when you're doing a rainbow wedding, it can look really tacky. So um, not tacky. I was like, I don't want to DIY too much stuff. It, it ended up being my husband also loves color, um, but he really wanted like a black tie wedding. He wanted to wear a tuxedo, and I, I was like, do do whatever you want. So we booked a more classic venue, which I think helped like balance the color. And then he was in a tuxedo and then he wanted a lot of like gold involved, like a little more of like a, a classic, maybe like, maybe like Art Deco, you know, kind of vibe. So that I think like the gold and the black with all the color, I think it ended up being a really good balance, just like us. So, yes. um, so I ended up finding my dress um, just on, you know, a department store website, I ordered a few and had them sent to my mom when I was going to go visit. And we were going to a few wedding dress stores too, which I'm glad I did for the experience. But like, I, ha I hated every single dress I tried on. Like it was not even one that was a contender. They were just, I also think maybe the places I went, they just were not listening to me. I was like, I want like, I want to look snatched. And I want it like simple, but not boring. And they were like, how about this intricate beading and lace? And I was like, no, I hate that. <laughs> like, it's just not what I want. <laughs> so anyway, the dress I ended up getting was like very simple shape. Um, kind of fit on the top, ball gown um, with like tool underneath on the bottom. But the color was like a glittery, it had like threads of silver, pink, all involved. So it was like sparkly and stunning. Kind of, kind of ridiculous. I loved Absolutely it. Yeah, it might, have, it might be a prom dress, but there's a there's a money saving tip for you. Go go look at prom <laughs> dresses. <laughs> My dress is not expensive. So. And um, I want to hear about your booby and the rainbow color. And also, isn't your booby um, a big part of your business, right? Yes, yeah. So yeah, so with the wedding, you kind of, you know, at first I booked all the things you had to book. And then I started thinking about all the details. So I did things like I made some fun signs and said things like, you know, Mazel Tov, um, that were like in glitter letters for our photo booth. And then I started to add like personal touches. I, and we decided I didn't want a cake initially. My mom's a really big dessert person. She's like, you have to have cake. I was like, fine. So we were like, I was like, but it's gonna be a fun funny cake. So I got the fun Betty cake. And then she was like, what if you had a rainbow collar for your collar? Because I 
I don't know. I might, I might have been the first person. I was definitely one of the first people to make a rainbow call out on the internet. I, it's one of my first blog recipes like 10 years ago. So definitely rainbow yeah. callers are everywhere I mean, now, but it's something I've been making rainbow call. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say I was the first. Definitely people have also been making rainbow I'll call. I'll say you're the first. I was, early, <laughs> I was an early adopter to the rainbow call um, trend. So I've been making it for like a good 11 years now. Um, it's one of my favorite kind of colors to make. And I've done it with natural colors, whatever. So I was like, all right, I can do that. But like, how am I going to bring this kala to Michigan from Puerto Rico? So we ended up, I made the kala with my mom and my bubby, which was super special when I was visiting Connecticut. We froze it. And then my mom carried it on the plane, like as her carry on, like a little baby, you know, like she was joking. She was going to buy another seat for it. I was like, that's crazy. Uh, but I don't know. So she, brought, so she like wrapped it really well and brought it. And then it ended up being like Oh, perfect. can I so just that was, that was really, really have to take a moment for that? Because I think to me, that that is um you know a beautiful detail of a wedding so, you know we worry about budgets and flowers and food and what there's a and actually it's those special moments that you know amy made the challah with two generations um it was frozen it was fit and people and it the rainbow i mean it's just it's everything to me i love that detail thank and you yeah i definitely to take think from it. you know people are saying you're planning a wedding i think the the best touches to a wedding cost nothing or very close to nothing. So I th think the, the most memorable, so we also had like signature drinks that were very meaningful to us and that, you know, that doesn't cost more than just having not a exciting drink. So I think, you know, things that add meaning can not cost a lot, but add a lot of sentiment to your, to your wedding or really any event. You could, you could relate that back to Jewish holidays too. You don't have to have, you know, the perfect place setting and like, you know, brisket can get expensive. You can have, a chicken and it can also be very meaningful and it's all it's all the thought you put into it and um as i say i've seen your booby mentioned on instagram on the blog tell me about her yeah. um you know and how she's influenced you and how how she's involved in your in your fantastic businesses oh yeah she's wonderful she's she's been involved in my life you know and, and she's just the most encouraging person like anytime i have a new you know venture i'm going towards so when i decided to pursue cooking I started my blog when I was working at a consultancy job and I quickly decided I wanted this to be my career. I quit my job to go to culinary school and my bubby goes to Marshall's and buys like every cooking tool she can get, you know, she's like, oh, I got a cherry pitter and an avocado saver, like all these like random things. And she sends me all of them and she's just the most encouraging person and um, always, always has like the best feedback and just super positive all the time too. She's just, she's just really funny. Um, she helps me write my modern tribe newsletter so like what we always have for every holiday bubby's picks and she picks her favorite items and that that email does the best out of any emails people of course really it does we all <laughs> we all want a bubby like yours <laughs> yeah so she i mean she has great taste so so i really appreciate that as well um and yeah we just you know I, I see her whenever i can um and we always like to cook together and just schmooze and play mahjong and she's just She's just wonderful. <laughs> so was she was she a big influence in your childhood? Did you did you live in the same neighborhood? And I'm just yeah, jealous because I, mean, like, I, I always wanted a, a a wonderful my 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 dad's side grandma um, would have been a typical Jewish grandma. She died when I was five, and my other grandma, who was fantastic on my mom's side, Israeli, lived in Israel. So I've always the dream of the booby. I have to. <laughs> I love hearing these yes. stories. Yeah, I mean, she she grew up in the Boston, or she lives in the Boston area, which is about an hour and a half from us. But we saw her all the time, definitely for every holiday, um, you know. But she, we also had, you know, we did our own traditions. Like whenever we come over her house, she had a huge platter of shrimp out, 
not, you know, not very kosher. <laughs> I so I probably, if you would ask me when I was like a teenager, what's the Jewish food? I would, I thought shrimp, you know, we had shrimp at every holiday. <laughs> so she, does, she, thinks, she definitely taught me to do things her own way as well. And she makes yeah. really great, she's a great baker, mandel bread, rugula, honey cake. Those are all, all, all her signatures. Blintz, she makes really good blintzes. We have memories of making the pancakes and you just like spread them all out, you know, and then filling them, frying some, freezing some. some it's just like all over the place, but it's, it's so fun. So yeah, I have lots of great memories and lots of holidays spent together. Are there any particular recipes that you make that are from your childhood or your family? Or I know you're great at inventing, you know, new ways to do Jewish food. Um, yeah, well, that's how I started my blog. I, you know, I told my mom I was starting this blog and she's like, let me get a few of your grandmother's recipes. So she like, of course she's like, you know, she asked my grandmother and she's like, the next day she had scanned, like she had all these like index cards with like chicken scratch on them. And she had like, scanned all of them at her office and printed them and mailed them to me. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's the best way to do it. But so I had all these, <laughs> you know, print offs of index cards and a lot of my grandmother's recipes are not, you know, how a recipe writer would write them. So it was like brisket, season, cook, the end. You know, it was like, <laughs> cook how long, which method, how much seasoning. So I took a lot of these and, you know, I'd call her and then I, you know, kind of tweak things. And then it, things I was learning in culinary school, which was really great to learn different techniques. And then I started th thinking like, oh, why do we braise brisket? Why do we do this? So that was really helpful as I was learning to develop my own recipes and then tweak my grandma's recipes. But um, I definitely still make her, her Jewish apple cake is one of my favorites. And I like hardly tweak that at all. Uh, blintz, her blintzes are really great. Mondo bread. So definitely a lot of her recipes are still ones I use, which which I think is great. But if you don't have Bubby's recipes, it is okay. You can have mine and you can also make your own. Do not, I think people stress about that too. So just exactly. my, my takeaway, don't stress. It doesn't make you any less Jewish if your grandma yeah, didn't make honey cake or yeah. you bought your menorah on the on from uh, from Target. It doesn't make yeah, you any less Target. Jewish. So <laughs> I mean, I she, can't... you should support small businesses like Modern Absolutely. Tribe. Absolutely. <laughs> We're gonna link to Modern Tribe in the show notes. I'm a big I'm a big fan of Modern Tribe. Um Amy's yeah. you have to at least check it out. Um I'm sure you'll end up buying some stuff because it's so good. But but check, check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes. It's fun. I love I love running it. It's kind of weird. It's become I love, I still, you know, do my blog, I do new recipes, but like really the store has become my, my new passion. I just, I love, I love finding, you know, new unique things that you can't get anywhere else. And I love connecting with the customers and bringing people products that help them live their Jewish life. So it's been, it's been super rewarding. And also supporting so many wonderful Jewish artists and small Jewish businesses at the same time. And um, yes. you know, you're representing, it's wonderful. So I want to, I want to finish by talking a bit about community. Um, You've obviously lived in lots of different places across America and now in Puerto Rico. How do you go about, you know, creating community? What, what makes a close Jewish community for you? Is it temple? Is it online friends in real life? Is it just you and your husband? Tell me about your, your version of community. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a combination of, you know, definitely during the pandemic, I only saw my husband. So it was a lot more online and a lot more, you know, I don't live near my parents or my grandmother. So we like Zoom cook together sometimes, you know, you don't have to always be in the same room or, you know, I just made a new Rosh Hashanah recipe this morning. I sent a picture to my mom and I just, you know, it's fun to get the feedback and feel like you're connected that way. Um, I think whenever I've moved somewhere else new, I've like tried to connect with the Jewish community somehow, either with, you know, the JCC or the, the Jewish Federation, 
mostly also with like my blog too, to see if I can contribute somehow, if like I can, you know, teach a class or, you know, lead something with them and, and also just to, to meet whoever's, whoever's local. So I think there are so many wonderful resources today and so many great Jewish organizations that are doing really fun, unique stuff, like one, a one table Shabbat, a great one too. They're all over the place um, that you can connect with people. And then, but then I don't, you know, limit it with, you know, when my husband and I moved here, I, we had met, met another Jewish couple and then we had a few couples we met that were not Jewish. And I still just invited them all over for Seder. I'm like, these are my friends. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to always be all, all people that are familiar with the customs. You can kind of share, share a little bit too, like I said earlier. So I don't, I don't worry too much about it. I think I have my internet friends that are, that are always there for me. So I'm not, you know, concerned with meeting Jews in a new place necessarily since I, I have my my online group as well <laughs> absolutely and i think we've needed obviously all needed online community more than ever before in this last year um tell me about smashing like obviously um you're you're a founding member amy joined smashing like right yes. when i started it back in july 2019 she's seen it grow and made friends and connections and wow um i think was it you even one um you shared a job a, a job about another Jewish food influencer that another Smashing Life member ended up getting and it's just an incredible network. A great group. You know, someone was trying to hire someone for a Jewish organization. And you know, I thought they were like, you can share with other people. And I was like, well, I don't want to share with everyone, you know, but I, I know this group is gonna be uh, a group that cares about you know, Jewish causes and is knowledgeable and, you know, people that if you, if you want to join this group and like participate, you, you care. So I think I, I knew, I knew anyone that was replying would be a good person. So yeah. and I, plus I, I, now I feel like I know a lot of people in the group yeah. too. So I, you know, I joined with Smashing the Glass when I was getting engaged and I joined your group um, to kind of help plan my wedding, which was really great. I planned my wedding really fast. So a lot of the, you know, early stages I just like did really quickly but then all these like little details were super helpful like helping decide if I wanted a day of coordinator I found my um I ended up getting a pink feather robe to get ready in that another bride had gotten in white so I got I got pink but she she sent me the link to it so just like kind of fun details like that um but through like connecting and chatting with all the women and the group you know I wasn't ready to just give that up after I got married but I wasn't as you know didn't have as much to, to share in the group anymore so it made sense to join this new group about Jewish life with the same great women in it. So it's been really fun. You can just kind of, you have, I think I really like um, when you have different experts speak on different topics, um, but then people just ask whatever questions they want and there's no question too silly and there's someone always there to answer any any time of day, which is- Yeah, we're too. in internet. We're people, in internet. people are all over the world. I know we have- Exactly. Like, South Africa and England and yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, no, it's great. And if you're, if you're listening and you're interested in being part of our community membership club, Smashing Life, you can sign up to the waitlist. It's smashinglife.club. We are currently closed for enrollment, but we'll be opening the doors soon, probably just after Rosh Hashanah. So make sure you're signed up there. So I'm going to end with three quick fire questions for okay. you. Easy ones for you, I'm sure. Um, and then we're sadly going to have to say goodbye. I could sit here all day and talk to you, Amy. <laughs> we'll yeah, to... I, I always enjoy talking to you too, Karen. You were like, I have all the questions. I was like, I'm not worried. I'm like, we could chat. We could just, you could ask one question and we'd probably just chat the rest yeah. of the time. <laughs> Will you come back and do another episode um, later course, on? Of course, of course. Maybe yeah, we'll do yeah, something definitely. before Hanukkah and uh, dive deeper into your luck. Um, so three questions for you. 
matzo ball soup or bagels with locks? And those are two of my favorite Jewish foods, but my, my comfort food is matzo ball soup. So I'm going to go with that. Homemade challah or store-bought challah? Oh, it's got, it's got to be homemade. Red wine, white wine, or grape juice for Kiddush? Red wine for any time. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, finally, uh, not so much quick fire, you might have to think about this one. If you could have Friday night dinner with any three Jewish people, dead or alive, who would they be and why? Who would it be? I love this question. There's lots of people I would love to have dinner with. But I think I would go for like a woman powerhouse team. I would go with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, my Bobby, and Joan Rivers. I feel like oh. it would be the most fun. <laughs> we don't have a lot to chat about. Maybe there'd be a little arguing, but it would, it I love that they're maybe, all. It would be uh, vibrant. Love, yeah. <laughs> I love that they're all kind of older women as well. Some of my best friends are much older than me, and I there's so much to learn from them. That's probably why you you're going for them. I love. I have a lot of elderly friends. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, reson I resonate with like real friends, like people I like go out with. <laughs> like 80. So, I don't know. I, re I resonate. I don't even think I'm an old soul. I just like, you know, there's, there's a lot Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they're just, they're just cool. I think because they, they don't care anymore, you know, about, yes. you don't care what people think. You don't yes. care what, you know, if you're doing the right thing, you just like kind of do what you want. I think, I think I res that resonates with me. <laughs> oh, Amy, it's been so much fun today. Where's the best place for people to go to find out more about your sparkly rainbow, Jewish glittery oh, yeah. world? Oh, yeah. I'm, all, I'm all over the internet it's my blog is what do you want to eat same as my instagram store moderntribe.com you can email me amy at what you want to eat.com any cooking questions life questions i'm always i'm always there to listen happy to um, help and we will link to all the recipes um amy mentioned her modern tribe store some of the funny stories amy's wedding we're gonna have it all in the show notes we didn't even talk about my bar mitzvah well, next time oh next time. <laughs> can you sum up your bar mitzvah in three words <laughs> three words um, or one sentence or oh yeah 90s <laughs> rainbow and beanie babies well you know oh, yeah, beanie babies is kind of synonymous with 90s but there you go <laughs> Do you have um do you have a link to it on, on the internet? We can link to it to find out. I have if you go to my Instagram, I posted some pictures in May uh, as for the anniversary of my bat mitzvah. And it was definitely a I had so many great comments on that post too. It was just kind of fun to I asked people what their theme was and there's like some awesome themes. Um so it's kind of fun to read the comments there too. So if you scroll back a little, there's a picture of me holding a Torah in a baby blue and Taylor suit. Um, with, with matching baby blue nails so you, can, oh you can read a little bit about my bar mitzvah there. oh my god it's gonna blow up now <laughs> all right amy you will be back soon i hope for more fun and mischief on the podcast yes i would love to be back thanks for having me this is so fun thank you for being amazing Bye. if this episode inspired you in some way i'd love you to take a screenshot of you listening on your device and post it to your instagram stories and tag me at Your Jewish Life so I can hear from you. I'd love to be Instagram friends. 
And if there's anyone you know that would benefit from this episode, share it with them and subscribe and let's spread our message and mission of your Jewish life your way. I'd love you to leave a review as well, because again, that helps more people see the podcast, hear the episodes and inspire them with Jewish joy and leaning into a Jewish life they love living. I also want to take a moment to tell you about my community, my membership community club for Jewish and Jewish women called Smashing Life. It's a essentially everything you've ever wanted in a Jewish community. It's a space to live your Jewish life your way, connect with like-minded Jewish women, share Jewish culture and joy, and most importantly, it's a place to build the life you want on your terms and learn Jewish rituals that will fill your life with purpose. Most importantly, we make it fun in 21. It is a lot of fun in there. We do all kinds of things. We have monthly expert masterclasses chosen by you. We have social events, both online and in real life, all around the world. We have virtual Shabbats. We have a dedicated parenting sub-community. We've got a dedicated entrepreneur sub-community. We have a book club and a crafts club and a members only recipes book that everyone contributes to and great Jewish bake-offs and incredible conversation and most importantly support and warmth in a completely non-judgmental inclusive Jewish space. If you'd like to find out more or add your name to the waitlist, just go to Smashing Life club the doors are currently closed for new members but we're opening them really soon so add your name and be the first to know just head to smashinglife.club